Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church. Well, welcome to Favorite Church Online. How are you all doing today? Are we okay? My name is Kate, if you haven't seen me before. I'm so glad that you've tuned in, but um, I hope you're doing okay. We're going to, like James said, continue our series today. Uh, No people, no problems. Who knows that if you take away the people, you probably take away the problems. Anyone got 99 problems? And 99 of them are people, right? (laughs) I have loved this series, and uh, if, you, if you're on delay, you could watch it on our favorite YouTube channel, um, where you can go back and, and listen to all the amazing messages that we've heard. But last week, my husband preached on being triggered about offense and what we do with offense and how to respond on offense, and I, it was really, really powerful. So I encourage you to go back, listen to that, and listen to all the other messages from this series. But today, I am going to continue it, and uh, my title for today is Hard to Love. Could you just type in the chat a name, the name of someone that's just really hard to love? Don't do that. Uh, but you could maybe just give a wink to the family member if you're, with, if you're with them. Just wink at them and be like, you're my hard to love person. Hey, uh, we all have these people in our lives, right? We have uh, groups of friends with that one person maybe that just just difficult or a colleague maybe Um, and a lot of us haven't seen all of our colleagues thank goodness right they're just on zoom Uh, but uh, you're gonna have to see them again one day but we've all got those people you know in eighth grade for me uh, I was how do I say I was like I would say a floater so I floated between different groups. I wasn't cool. I mean, I was cool sometimes, but not a lot of the time. I thought that I was cool, but I wasn't in the cool, uh, in the cool kids group. Uh, I, was, I just floated by, and, you know, I, I liked them. And then I'd float by the sporty group. And, and I love sports, so i just, hey, you know. And then I'd float by the, the Christian group because I loved, I loved the Lord in eighth grade. I, I loved Jesus, so I'd be there, you know. Let's sing some worship songs. And then... Uh, I was obviously a part of the intelligent, smart group, the nerds. I don't know why everyone's laughing, Uh, but I I was really a floater. So it says something about um, when when a girl in my grade called Sandy, she was one of these hard-to-love people. I was actually able to kind of get along with her because I just was, I was all things to all people. I was just like, you know, Sandy, you got no one to sit with, come and sit with me. You know, that type of person. I know that I sound uh, like I was awesome in eighth grade and I was, honestly, I was pretty great to be around. Uh, but, but we had a school dance in eighth grade. And I remember going, getting dressed up, ready to hopefully be asked to dance uh, by the boy that I liked. And he didn't. So there's nothing like rejection in eighth grade to really set you up for, you know, a great future with your self-esteem. Anyway, so I see Sandy run, uh, walk into the, to the gym. And I, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm normally really, you know, nice and I try hard with Sandy. But tonight is my night. I just can't do this. I can't do this tonight. And I remember thinking, I think I was 13. I remember thinking, I don't want to do, I don't want to make an effort with Sandy tonight. So I hid behind a wall at the gym. I literally hid. And I watched Sandy walk in and she looked around for maybe someone that she could talk to or someone that she could maybe stand with or dance with. And nobody did. Nobody did. And I stood there and I didn't move because I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. 
And she walked out, she put her head down and she walked out. Now, I'm not proud of this story, obviously. I'm very ashamed to say that I responded that way. But sometimes we respond this way, right? With hard to love people. Am I the only one? <laughs> you know, we all have these types of people in our lives. Have you, heard of, have you heard of EGR, extra grace required people? What about difficult to be around people? What about frustrating and tiring? Or anybody got some joy suckers in their life? They just suck the joy right out of the atmosphere. I'm just hard to love people. And I just think it's funny that we label these people. We actually just, without even realizing it, we give them labels like, well, that person is hard to love. And so right now, I want to demonstrate basically what we do. If everyone, if you could put on your signs, those that have a sign. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) We've got, obviously, we've got the the joy sucker. If you know... (laughs) If you know Elby, uh, which I hopefully you do get to know him at some point, he is the opposite of this. So he actually sucks the joy straight into the room. So, but this is just for a demonstration. So we've got, we didn't have, a, nobody printed perfect. What happened? Anyway. Stop. Nobody printed, nobody printed perfect. You are not difficult, difficult, my love. I'm difficult to not love. To not love, hey. Okay, we've got, we've got don't fit in here. We've got exhausting. No, you're not, Belle, but, you know, just for this. Uh, we've got EGR, a bit of EGR. What would Shaloa, your wife, say? Maybe, yes, she would agree. I've got, I've got Jakey back here. You're following me, camera. He's hard to love. I mean, you know what's hard to love? His accent. Am I right? Am I right? This guy, Australian, can't understand him. <laughs> Maybe you can think of a few people right now that you label. And what, what, do you, what, what labels do you give them? I want us to go to the Bible today and check out a story of someone who was really hard to love. Someone that could have worn all these signs at the, at the one time. And I want us to see how Jesus treated this person. So let's go to Luke 19, 1 verse 10 in the NLT. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. Anybody a Sunday school kid from way back? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And the rest you will hear at the favorhood. Beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He is gone to, the, to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Oh, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. Such a great story. And Zacchaeus, let me tell you, was a very hard person to love. 
very, very hard. He was a chief tax collector, which meant he was very, very disliked, very hated, in fact. Uh, the Roman Empire would give them a quota, these tax collectors, on, tax collectors, on how much tax they needed to get. Uh, but anything above that that they added, they were obviously, you know, they would take. So they became pretty, pretty rich. And uh, it just say it was pesos. They'd go to the door. Hey, I'm a... Uh, wait. It'd be like this, because he's really short. Hey, I'm Zacchaeus, and uh, I'm here to collect 5,000... Did I say five? I meant 8,000 pesos for the government. And, uh, and they would hand over the eight, and he would go, thank you, and he would keep the three, and he would give the government five. So he became this really, really rich man, which meant that people, again, didn't like him. He was very hated, in fact, difficult to love. Yet we see in the story how Jesus took the opportunity to show this man that he loved him. He loved him, even though knowing that he was a cheater, even though knowing that he was a liar, even though knowing that he was this notorious sinner that the crowd told him about. Jesus was truly living out his command. In John 15, 12, Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you would love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Jesus says this. He's saying, would you love each other? And I don't just mean the people that you love to hang around or you find it easy to go to dinner with or those that are really kind to you and buy you food sometimes. No, no, no. He's saying, would you love each other? And I'm talking about these people. I'm talking about the ones that are hard to love or the, the, the frustrating and the, the EGRs and the difficult. Would you love those people the same way I have loved you? And Jesus demonstrated this in the way that he lived. He lived this command out. He, he loved the people who were different from him. He really did. He loved the sinners. He loved the outcasts. He loved them. And in the story, Jesus' love show, uh, showed towards Zacchaeus. It softened Zacchaeus' heart. To the point, it softened his heart so much to the point where Zacchaeus said, Oh my gosh, I repent. Here, Lord, I just, I'm going to give all my wealth. I mean, I'm going to pay back the people that I've wronged. He, he was, it led him to repentance and forgiveness for his sins. And I uh, came into relationship with Jesus. And his whole life changed. When it comes to people who are hard to love, just like Zacchaeus, my question today is, will we act like the crowd? Will we exclude them? Will we push them away? Will we ignore them? Will we turn our backs on them? Will we just pretend they don't exist anymore? Or will we be like Jesus and take the opportunity to love them so that they may too be changed forever by the love of God? So I have four thoughts today. Four thoughts on how Jesus responded so differently to the crowd in this story. And I'm really praying, church, that your heart will be stirred the way my heart has been stirred as I've been preparing this. It's been really challenging and really convicting my heart. And so I pray as you listen to these thoughts that the Holy Spirit will really stir your heart, that we would have grace and love for people. Amen? First thought is the crowd turned away from Zacchaeus. Jesus turned to him. Like I said, Zacchaeus was short, right? So when everybody heard that Jesus was coming uh, to Jericho, it's like, hey, guys, Jesus is coming. Let's go, let's go. And so everyone's crowding around, and Zacchaeus, short, is trying to, like, you know, look over people, I'm sure, uh, trying to just kind of go, you know, hey. 
I don't think they could have seen him maybe, but maybe they heard him. Hey guys, I'm just wondering if I could just squeeze in front uh, of just a few of you. Just need to, just want to see uh, something like what he thinks he's at Disneyland and he wants to see the parade with Tinkerbell and everyone go by. It's like, hey, can I just stand at the front right now? No, nobody liked him. Nobody, it says nobody, nobody moved for him. Nobody responded to Zacchaeus. He was on his own. And you know what? He actually deserved it. He deserved to, to not be, you know, the crowd separate for the man to walk through. He deserved it. Zacchaeus got nothing from the crowd that day. But I couldn't help but feel sad when I thought of the, the crowd's uh, response in this moment. Because I thought about it, there's not one person in that whole crowd that maybe would have noticed, I mean, he's short, so maybe they would have heard him. But not heard him and gone, oh, what's that noise? Zacchaeus, oh, oh, oh. Guys, Zacchaeus is here. Oh my gosh, this guy. It's just so, what do you want now, Zacchaeus? Take all my money again, you know? Not one person saw him and said, gosh, guys, Zacchaeus is here. Oh, not one of them had that moment, that aha moment that goes, you know what? If everything that they're saying about Jesus is true, then this guy right here needs to be at the front because this guy right here needs to encounter this Jesus because possibly this guy's life might change if he encounters Jesus. And guys, we're all going to be better off for it. So make some room, people. He's coming through. (laughs) Right? Not one person did that. Not one. This sinner, this bad man, he'd heard about Jesus coming. He was curious about him coming. He actually wanted to get close to him, but no one helped him. How many opportunities have I missed to bring those who are hard to love closer to Jesus? How many opportunities may have you, have you or, or all of us missed to bring those who are hard to love closer to Jesus? How many times has my response, has your response, has our response to hard to love people pushed them further away from Jesus rather than bringing, him to, bringing them to Him? Like I said before, I'm so challenged and so convicted by this as I was preparing. I'm saying, God, help me. Help me not to be like the crowd in this, with people that are hard to love. Help me to respond the way that you did, Jesus. Because what does he do? He turns towards Jesus. It says that he approached, he, he drawed close to him. He, he, approached, uh, he approached Zacchaeus. And you know, there's countless stories in the Bible where Jesus turns to someone who people have kept at a distance, they've kept as an outcast, that no one wants to be around anymore. There's countless stories and we can read about it. There's one in John 4 with the Samaritan woman at the well. It's a, a beautiful story. Amazing story demonstrating the care that Jesus has for all types of people. And you can read it. It's just awesome. Uh, But in John 4, verse 6 to 8, it says, Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well. About noontime, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. We can see here in this story that Jesus was weary from his long walk. He, he needed a rest. And if anybody deserved a free pass from ministry, it was Jesus. <laughs> if anyone deserved a little nap, it was Jesus. And if anyone deserved not to deal with someone, it was Jesus. I mean, he could have gathered his disciples and gone, guys, let's just, let's just uh, draw some straws. Uh, hopefully it's Peter because Peter's got, always got a lot to say. He... he, he uh, 
He could have said, you know what, there's this lady, look, I'm meant to meet her, but I'm so tired from walking and just one of you guys can handle it. Look, it's a long story. She's basically had five husbands. The one that she's with right now is not her husband. You're going to talk a little bit about uh, the water and, and the, the physical water and then just talk about me, how I'm the spiritual water that, you know, she'll never go spiritually dry if she drinks of me. Then you'll talk about the worship, true worship, in fact. And does anyone want to do it? Yeah. Okay, great. You can do it. No, he doesn't. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't do Jesus didn't do that. He spoke to the woman himself. And just like he made the effort with Zacchaeus, he made the effort with this lady at the well. Jesus knew they both needed to encounter him. And so he turned to them. He spent time to speak to them, to minister to them, and to love them in a way that others had never loved them before. Our church has a tagline, uh, imperfect church for imperfect people. And I love it. I love it because it's the heart of our church. When we started, this is, this is the heart of our church. And a few years ago, before we were in Shangri-La Studios, before we were in Shangri-La, we were in a bar at the Metro Walk. That's not a bar anymore. Apparently it's changed. Uh, but it, we, we used to have this tagline, uh, like a hashtag that was church in a bar. And I used to love it because it was people felt like they could come because it wasn't a church building. People felt like they could come because, hang on, I haven't got my life all together. I might still be struggling with something. I might, you know, I've still not got it all together. But hang on, if you're meeting in a bar, actually, I feel pretty good about that. You know, being surrounded by Jack and Jim. Yeah, I'm good with that. So these, so we had a lot of people come that had given up on God, that had given up on church, that had given up on Christianity. And they came and they really found Jesus again. We're church for imperfect people. Imperfect church for imperfect people. That's, that's our heart. Our heart for will never change. It won't change. And my prayer is that we continue to turn towards people as a church and as individuals, that we would show them effort, that we would show them uh, that, that they're worthy of being ministered to, and that we would show them the love of Jesus. Amen? So my second thought is the crowd only saw Zacchaeus for who he was. Jesus saw him for who he could be. So Jesus sees Zacchaeus up the tree, right? And as Jesus is approaching, maybe he's thinking, I don't know, he's the son of God. But maybe Jesus thought something like this. You know what? He's thinking, oh, Zacchaeus, don't worry. Don't worry. If you can't get to me, I'm going to get to you. He might have been thinking, you know, the crowd, Zacchaeus, as he's walking, the crowd might only see who you are now. But man, Zacchaeus, I see who you could be. I'm coming, Zacchaeus. You're about to meet with me. Maybe Jesus was thinking that. Zacchaeus probably freaked out at this point because the Son of God was walking towards him. Uh, and he's probably he wanting Jesus' attention, obviously. But then hang on a second. Wait. Zacchaeus has heard a lot about this man. He's heard that he tells people about God and that's all good and, and miracles. And, but he also knows apparently everything about people. So I'm pretty sure Zacchaeus might have got a little bit nervous as he's seen Jesus look at him in the tree thinking, oh no, oh no. Like this, this Jesus could actually just tell everyone all the bad things that I've done. But it says in verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Anyone cringe when they hear their full name used? 
<laughs> or you're just like, oh, like, I mean, Filipinos, a lot of us have, uh, have uh, nicknames, right? So maybe full names are a bit of a cringe when, wait, why, who's saying my full name? But sometimes when I hear my full name, my husband says it's a Caitlin. So my name, obviously people know me as Kate, but my full name is Caitlin. So if I hear Caitlin, I have this moment of like, Bleh. I feel like a kid again. My, my parents they got me in trouble and it's just like, ah. Oh. Anyway, so maybe that's how Zacchaeus he could have been like that, but I think that it was more than that. It was significant, a moment, a significant moment for Zacchaeus. Jesus easily could have called him out. Could have said, hey, you, you sinner in the tree. Sounds like a rap. You sinner in the tree, you sinner in the tree, you sinner in the tree. You're a bad, bad man. Seriously, that's what he, he could have. It, it sounds like a rap, really. But he could have said, you sinner in the tree. Hey, hey, you cheater in the tree. I got some words to say to you. You liar up there. Let me just have a go at you in front of all these people that are loving it. I mean, can you imagine the crowd at that time? They would have loved it. Let's go, Jesus. Let's go. Shame this man. He has robbed us and cheated us. Shame. Bring shame to him. Could have done that. He could have addressed Zacchaeus by what he'd done. But Jesus cared more about who he could be, so he called out his name. And just imagine how Zacchaeus felt in that moment. When Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I read some commentaries this week that said maybe Zacchaeus hadn't heard his name said like that, in that tone since his mother had said it when he was a little boy. Zacchaeus said with love and compassion, John 10, 3 says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. The good shepherd, Jesus, called out to Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus listened to his voice, and it made a difference in his life. This is the other morning I was thinking about my sermon. I was thinking about the story of Zacchaeus. And I said to my kids, hey, you want to hear a story? And I'm sure they've heard it before. They, yeah, yeah, mom, we want to hear it. So I started to tell them the story of Zacchaeus. And, you know, the two girls, I've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. Hi, guys, if you're watching. Uh, but they were listening so intently. Oh, wow, oh, yeah, what happened next, mom? And then my three-year-old had his shirt off just running laps around the kitchen. So, you know, he'll get there. But they were listening so intently. And we got to the point where I said, and you know what Jesus said to Zacchaeus in the tree? He said he called him by name. They said, really? I said, he said, Zacchaeus. And in that moment, I just stopped. And it's almost like I just had this moment when I remember as a nine-year-old, I gave my heart to Jesus. And I remember, not an audible voice, but just the Holy Spirit as a nine-year-old speak to my heart and said, Caitlin, I love you. Caitlin, I see you. Caitlin, I have a future and a plan for you. If you would trust me with your life, if you would give me your heart, oh, I'll take you. And I started to well up as I was saying this story to my kids. And they're like, are you okay, mom? And I'm like, I will be. <laughs> I will be. But in that moment, I was reminded that he called my name. He called my name when I was a child. And I responded to him. And now my life, it was changed forever. 
one of our presence nights. So we have a, a prayer and worship night that we do at church. And it's so great. It's about two hours long. And it's the last one we did in person. And it was just amazing. And it's online for you to see. But we did one last year. And we were all here in the studio and crowded around. And we sing songs and we pray. But, you know, when we sing songs that the words aren't on the screens, does anyone out there, you freak out? You're like, what's happening? Who, how do they know what's singing? That's just what we call free worship. It's just an overflow of the, the songs to, to the songs that we sing. And one of our beautiful worship leaders, Janine, she just had this beautiful moment of singing out. She was saying these words, it calls you by your name and not your sin. She say, it calls you by your name and not your sin. She calls you by your name and not your sin. And she kept singing it over and over and over. And I remember, again, with tears rolling down my eyes, I was standing back there. Tears, some tears were because I was really hungry because we'd been fasting that week. And I just really needed a cheeseburger. <laughs> Seriously, but most of the tears at that point were because of the truth that she was singing that he calls us by our name and not by our sin. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's what Jesus did. Jesus showed he loved Zacchaeus by identifying him by his name instead of focusing on all he'd done in the past. Oh, that we would be more like Jesus. We would have grace and that we would have a love for these types of people. Not just focus on what these types of people have done or, or who they are right now. But that we would see people with the eyes of faith. And we would see who they can become with the love of Christ encountering them. The crowd only saw Zacchaeus for who he was. But Jesus saw him for who he could be. My third point. The crowd rejects people easily, and Jesus accepts people easily. Jesus came to save people like Zacchaeus. In verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. And a lot of Christ followers, we pray and we scream and we, we shout and, and we say, We want revival, Lord! We want revival. And it's the best pray prayer to pray. It really is. But we need to be prepared for those being revived to smell different, to look a little bit different, to maybe act a little bit different, to just for them to maybe be a little bit harder uh, and just not quite fit into the box that we would hope for them to. We just talk about when revival hits, it's going to look like an emergency room where there's blood and give me a scalpel. Ah, you know, this person, I mean, I'd be terrible as a doctor. Could you imagine? I'm like, ah, you know, somebody do something. Uh, but, you know, that's what it's going to look like. An emergency room. More than just a, I was at the PD the other day, just more than a sterile doctor's office where that's what we really maybe would like. It's going to look like an emergency room. People are going to be revived and they won't be the same as us. When Jesus brought revival, it made all the religious leaders uncomfortable because revival looked different to how the religious leaders looked. And if we start to truly accept and make an effort with these hard-to-love people the way that Jesus did, oh, we just might make some people a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe we'd make some Christians 
a little bit uncomfortable because it actually might expose their lack of love and grace for others. I remember being in a team years and years ago. Um, on ch- it was a, a church like we were serving together, and there was this lady. She was there before me. She'd, she'd, she'd uh, been in that church for a long time, and I was new. And so I joined this team to serve along with her. And she was just so hard. Like, she was just so difficult to deal with. I mean, not many people were on the team, obviously, because they just couldn't handle this lady. She was just, everything was... Pre- OCD, basically. She's just so pedantic about every little detail of, and it just used to drive me not like crazy. I was like, I just, I would actually roll my eyes as I would leave. Like she'd do something and I'm like, oh, like she's so frustrating. Here we are serving the Lord together. And I'm like, oh, I can't stand you. Why? And so I spoke to a few people around me about it. And they said, you got to get her off the team. You just have, you have to get her off the team. Like, you can't have that on the team. Like, the team's not going to grow. It's not going to go anywhere. But I didn't have a piece about it. I didn't have a piece because this, really, this lady, she wasn't malicious. I knew that she wasn't being malicious in how she was acting or what she would do or uh, how she was serving God. So I actually decided to take her out for lunch. Wow. Kate decided to take someone out for lunch. But do you know what? I knew that it was going to be an awkward lunch. And it was. I sat down and she sat down. I'm like, huh, so, you know, how are you? And I just started to ask her questions. And, you know, as the lunch progressed and as we're eating and she just softened a bit, I was actually able to maybe bring up some things that she was doing that turned people off and I I, I kind of confronted in a really loving way just some things I'm like hey you know how you you know when people come in the morning to serve on Sunday morning and they're really excited to be in the house of God and then you don't smile and welcome them but you just give them a task straight away I said hey how about you just try and say good morning you know she, oh yes I could do that okay great you know so things like that But you know what? She wasn't actually OCD. So in that conversation, I found out she wasn't OCD. She just wanted excellence in the house of God. She was just misunderstood. Someone who I had found hard to love, after I had a conversation with them, I ended up having grace for her and actually really enjoyed being around her and enjoyed serving the Lord with her. You know what's crazy is that others missed out on this. Others left the team because they just couldn't be bothered with this lady or couldn't, uh, didn't want to sit down and maybe have a conversation with her. And, and it made me think, you know what? She was rejected in a sense because she was different. And they didn't have enough grace and enough love to try and get to know who she really was. Their lack of grace was exposed. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Love is patient and kind. Being around these types of people right here with the signs on, (laughs) it's going to take patience and it's going to take kindness. Having conversations with them like I did with that lady, it takes patience and it takes kindness. Some of us, you know, you're watching right now and you're thinking of that person. You go, you know what? I need to love them. I need to show them patience and kindness. Maybe after ECQ, you need to invite them over or, or invite them over or take them out for a meal or a coffee or something and just get into their world, make an effort with some of them. And yeah, address some of the things maybe that do make them a little bit hard to love or a little bit awkward, but do it in love. But you know, you might be saying, yeah, but Kate, I've tried. No, it's too hard. It's just, they're just really, really hard to love. 
You know, remember that everything we preach in church always has. Needs a, it needs to have a healthy balance. So reality is that sometimes there are people that are just so toxic that it's so unhealthy for you to be in their world. And so what, that, what loving them looks like is actually praying for someone else to come along uh, who would have grace for that toxic person, who could then love them and get around them. It doesn't necessarily have to be you reaching out, but why don't you start to pray for someone else to have the grace to reach that toxic person? And my fourth thought is I'm somebody's EGR. You know, this whole sermon... Maybe you've been thinking about that person. You're like, I really want to put their name in the chat or I want to text them and say, hey, listen to this sermon. Uh, or maybe been just staring across at your family, you know, someone in your family just like, oh, you know, this is you. Uh, but the reality is we are all difficult to love for at least one person. See, I, I need to be wearing these signs. Because at times I don't fit in. When I moved to the Philippines, goodness gracious, I didn't fit in. I tried, but people just laughed at me when I tried to speak Tagalog. Uh, I am exhausting. At, uh, I just am. I'm very exhausting. My sense of humor is exhausting. Okay, I am definitely an extra grace required person. You asked my husband, where have we got? We've got hard to love. Jakey's Australian. I'm Australian. They're hard to love in the basketball games. Uh, I've got joy sucker. You know what? I suck the joy out of rooms at times. I definitely bring it like Elby does at times, but I definitely suck it out. I'm a joy sucker. And I am. <laughs> I got nothing to say. I just received it from my husband and he just nodded. Just, you know, difficult. And thank you, Dawn. I'm frustrating. I'm all of these things. So why does this matter? Because when we get the revelation that we are hard for somebody to love, it will give us the grace to love somebody who's hard to love. Let me say it one more time. Because when we get the revelation that we are indeed frustrating, difficult, a joy sucker, hard to love, oh, EGR, don't fit in. When we get that revelation that we are hard for somebody to love, it will give us the grace to love somebody who's hard to love. And the greatest example of this was what Paul wrote in Romans 5 verse 8. It says, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Amen. And in just a moment, church, I want us to pray and I want us to respond to the Lord because He's been speaking to me and I know that He has been speaking to your heart. Uh, but before we sing and we, we pray, I want to give people an opportunity. If you've never received the love of God, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is a great opportunity for you to give your heart to Him today. You know, there's sin in our lives and sin has separated us, separated us from God the Father. And sin, it says in the Bible that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It's God's standards. We've all fallen short. But God didn't just say, hey, all the best with that. 
He actually sent His one and only Son, Jesus. And Jesus came over 2,000 years ago and He, he came on this earth and he, he taught people about the Kingdom of God and He did miracles and healings and spoke wonderful words and loved on hard people. But you know, the best thing that Jesus did, the greatest thing that Jesus did for all of us was that He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And then He was raised from the dead so that we may have an opportunity to come into relationship with God the Father through Jesus being the only way. And so I want to give you an opportunity. If you're saying, you know, okay, I, I, I've never done this before. I don't, I, how, how do I even do it? Do I need to pay for it? This is a free gift. It's a free gift of salvation. And in Romans 10 verse 9, it says, If you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, then you will be saved. Today could be your day to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you've done this a long time ago, but you're so, just saying, God, He's here. He's here. I want to I be in a relationship with you again. Would you just right now, if that's you, would you place your hand on your heart, whether you're watching this live right now in your living room, in your bedroom, if you're in the car with tears streaming down your face, God sees you. Keep your hands on the wheel, but God sees you. If you're watching this on delay, respond to Him right now. This is a moment for you to come into relationship with God through Jesus. And if you've got your hand on your heart, oh mom, would you just say these words after me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. Oh, I repent of my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I believe that you died, that you were raised from the dead on the third day. I accept you into my heart and into my life as my Lord and Savior and my best friend. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're just so excited. If you've made that decision today, that is the best decision that you will ever make. And there's a little uh, QR code on the screen right now. If you could just scan that. We want, let us know that you made that decision. You can go to favorite.church forward slash best decision ever, whether it's live again or delay. If you've just done this and you're watching it in two years from the time that I said this, uh, hopefully COVID's over, praise the Lord. Uh, but if you just made that decision, that is the best decision ever. And please let us know. We would love to get around you. Uh, a walk with Jesus is never meant to be done alone. And we we're meant to do it in community. So we would love to, to get around you. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family. And we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer. We'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.